Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Got another exciting episode coming up here. And in the booth today, it's myself, Mitch DeWitt, and we have Jonathan Jordan as long, along for the ride as well. So hello, good morning to you, John. It's great to be here. And I got to say that uh, I don't know if it's the most exciting because it's about taxes, but <laughs> I mean, there's a whole profession called accountants that get really excited about this stuff. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Sometimes I, know I do too. When tax time comes around for me, I, the word I don't use is excitement, um, but but I'm excited to be in the booth with you today, Mitch, because I was a little worried that you weren't going to be here today because of your, your vacation to Mexico and the fact that apparently you were not able to get back on the day that you were supposed to be back because you got hung up. What happened? What happened to you guys? Yeah, there were, there were a, a few things that happened along the way. So, and thankfully, actually, I I completely blocked off yesterday. So I realized that we're recording on a day that ultimately um, <laughs> won't be the, the same day that this is is posted. But yesterday, I blocked off my calendar completely, basically as almost like catch up time, right? So knowing I'm in Mexico for a few days, my wife and I, kids stayed back at home with in laws. Thank you, Brandon and Colleen. You guys are lifesavers. And and first and foremost, our flight got delayed, and then delayed, and then delayed, and then delayed, and then finally so you to the point. Actually, sit there. It wasn't like you found it. Well, thankfully, you went to the we so we already treated our original transportation as a sunk cost, right? And we just said we're we're canceling that. We're not taking that. And then we we figured out we could book a taxi for for like fifty bucks. We're like that's worth it instead of being at Cancun airport. Instead, we're going to be at the resort still. Now, granted, we didn't have a room, but we could sit by the pool. Yeah. I could be outside. They still kindly treated us to lunch and everything like that. So we stayed at the resort. And then finally, it gets time to go to the airport. And the second we're trying to check in, they're like, oh, you haven't heard? It's canceled. Oh, oh. No. Well, we got these texts saying delay, delay, delay. We never got a text, never got an email saying it's canceled. It took us to actually get there, canceled. Long story short, they sent us to a hotel and it was, it was decent. It wasn't the same as the all-inclusive resort, of course, but oh, absolutely. still warm weather. And they give you those they little $10 vouchers, right? For yeah, some food. We, yeah, we got some meals and stuff count and it's all fine and dandy, but it delayed the arrival time back in Wisconsin about a full 24 hours. So here we are. And, and they still accepted our COVID tests. Oh, so you, to get to back into the States, you need a negative yeah. COVID test. So my wife and I, negative, negative, but it has to be like the day before. And since our flight got canceled and pushed another day, there was a two-day delay. And they basically said, you're good. Well, we're all glad you came back. I know I've, I've had it happen before, but we got, we got stuck in Hawaii about 15 years ago. And it was, it was frustrating to have to get to the airport and find out it's canceled. But when told that we had an extra day there, I was, I was okay with it. I just had, it was, it was a big nuisance trying to figure out yes. where we were going to stay and, and whatnot and try and enjoy the day because it really, we didn't end up leaving until like the next evening. Yeah. It was the next flight they could put us on. But in both of our cases, there are worse 
places to be stuck. But at the same time, we need to get back to the kids, get back on schedule. Well, so, let's hope because Clint is Clint is traveling and vacationing, and uh, hope that they are having a great time. I saw he just caught a fish today. It looked nice. So that it was a nice looking fish. It looked like a fish that you don't catch up in Lake Mendota. No, not at all. A little more tropical. Maybe. Not at all. But he, but he definitely, but he, but he looked happy. But hopefully, they have uh, good travel plans back. But, yeah. And but, you know, Dan here, he, he stuck a video camera in front of my face to have. It has an avocado case on it. So I'm sitting oh. here first day back in, you know, guacamole. Wisconsin winter. And I'm thinking back to my avocados and guacamole <laughs> that I was eating not too long ago on the beach. But well, um, you're you know. back, you're back here. And, and here we are in mid-February. And, and topic today that we're going to be talking about is, is, you know, the tax filing deadline and some tax tips and things for people. I know uh, one thing to note um, this year that, uh, with the date that April 15th falls on the tax filing deadline is actually like your trip delayed, but this time by a couple of days. So it's what April 18th is the 18th. tax filing deadline. And, and an interesting note is district of Columbia and Maine and Massachusetts. It's actually the 19th really? in, in observance of um, holidays, president's day, I think it is. So those are the only places where it's due on the 19th, but everywhere else you have to have it postmarked and in the mail by the 18th if you have, uh, if you owe in for your taxes. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of times, like now here in, in February, right, leading up to the, the deadline, people are trying to gather their statements still, right? And one of the things that we always get asked about is 1099s, right? And and tax forms. And, and it's one of those things that, um, you're starting to, to see those now, right? In February and some, some accounts are, are a little bit delayed compared to others. And it depends on the financial institution you're, you're thinking about or working with, I should say. But people always ask questions. It seems like 1099, what should I do with my 1099? And, and it's one of those things, well, it kind of depends, right? Some, sometimes you might have a rollover that you did in the, the last tax year and you'll get a 1099R and what do I do with this? Or other times it's just a distribution, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you have a taxable account, yep. you'll get a 1099. Well, yeah, right? you get the, so, the, the 1099 INT for your interest, the d- dividends, DIV, DIV for dividends, yep. all of these. So, so to some level, we'll kind of use 1099 as an umbrella term probably for this conversation. But, but John, walk me through a conversation when somebody asks, what do I do with this 1099? Well, first off, I get a lot more is where is my 1099 <laughs> and how can I get it? And I've, I've, I've gotten that for years because people start thinking about filing their taxes early in January. And generally, most places have them prepared by the end of January, but sometimes it takes a little bit into February so that they can make any adjustments and fix any um, yeah, of the dividends or distributions or capital gains uh, realized. And so by mid-February, it's generally you know available so that you have a couple months to be able to get your taxes done. Um, but when they say, what do I do with my 1099s, it's... Uh, it, I see more often than not, there's questions on some sort of a, um, a foreign income. If there's, you know, some income that was paid in off, off an international investment and how do I file this? And I found that many clients, you know, use TurboTax and there's a process on there that they can, can go through to be able to figure out their way as they're inputting the information. There, there are actually a lot of good software and a lot of good um, planning software in TurboTax but if you're working with an, an independent or a personal CPA to prepare them, they generally should be able, when you hand them to them, to, to know what needs to be done. If they have questions, they'll ask you. Um, but I get a lot of those questions are the kind of the, the very rogue, like out off the wall sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and you're right that generally if we get a tax form, obviously 
retain it. And if you're do it yourself or plug it into the software that you're using, if you're using an accountant, get it in their hands. But some of the things to, to be on the lookout for are, for, for example, if you do a, a rollover, right? Sometimes people will see how it's coded and, and they want to make sure, Hey, I, I was under the impression that this was tax deferred to tax deferred. Why am I receiving this form? And, and, it still has to be reported, right? So if you're rolling over from something from TIA or Fidelity or wherever it might be, right? They still are required to give you that form. And then yes, if if you do it correctly, right? If you do a a direct rollover, let's say, and it's not going to be a taxable event, but it is reported because ultimately it does leave that contra institution's account, right? So they have to report that and that's important. And then on the, the flip side then is when, we use TD Ameritrade and Schwab for, for most of our clients, as a lot of you might know. And then on the flip side, they report after tax filing season. So April 15 or 18 or 19, depending where you are, right, um, comes and goes. Then they have to report, yes, this actually, this rollover was deposited. So that's kind of the check that keeps in place of, yes, it left Fidelity, let's say. And then TD Ameritrade then reports, you'll see a Form 5498 for, for contributions and rollovers. And, and not reporting that um, doesn't necessarily make it a taxable event, but the IRS will come back to you generally a couple years later if they see that this hasn't been been filed correctly and send you that scary letter where it says these taxes are due and there's interest and, and penalties and everything on it as well for not for failure to pay. And it can be expensive to go through the process of filing an amended return. So it's better to just get it done the year that you have it. If you know you're doing a rollover and you get that paperwork to make sure that you get that on your tax return uh, so that the IRS can keep track of that and you can continue to keep that money tax deferred without incurring those penalties um, and interest charges that uh, it's a scary letter. I've had a couple of clients over the years um, that uh, didn't know that they had to report that letter. I mean, it's, this is years ago, and and a couple years later they get the, the IRS letter. So uh, we were able to work through it and and find a solution and 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 do it. It wasn't super expensive, but I think it's just more scary and and times time intensive for you. And another thing too that I've seen over the years is, and if we're talking taxable accounts, you get your 1099, and and you have realized capital gains and losses, right? And and sometimes people look at that and say. Oh, I, I know I realized some some gains, let's say, and I know I had some money sent to my account for it could be could be a new car, could be whatever, right? Whatever you needed money freed up for and, and sent to you for. And they the question is, wow, I didn't I didn't realize there's that much gain that was realized. And some of the reason being is depending on that form is issued, um, there, there's covered and non-covered shares, and sometimes it doesn't include the basis, the accurate basis in that form. And that is very important when it comes to taxation. If you, if there's a $0 basis and you sell something for $50,000, let's say that $0 basis up to 50,000, that entire proceeds is considered taxable. So kind of take a look at that. And sometimes you can work with your financial advisor, like, like John or myself, or, or maybe even run it through your accountant to see what they're seeing. But if that catches you off guard and turns out there's actually no basis there, that's where you want to go back and start doing some homework to make sure that you do have an accurate basis. Because let's say the basis is, is 25K in this, this hypothetical situation. You sell at 50K. Well, there's $25,000 of potential taxable proceeds there opposed to the full 50000 That's significant. Oh, absolutely. And, and if you transfer money from one financial institution to another, 
you want to make sure that your basis transfers over so that it can be tracked. Also for you knowing kind of when you want to sell and what your, you know, estimated capital gains or capital loss is going to be. But um, when you go to file that tax return, if they don't have that basis, you know, you're going to have to go through a process of going back and figuring out, you know, what was the value of that investment when you bought it and potentially even having to estimate it based on, you know, when, when the timing was, what the stock price was of when you best remembered that you bought it. And it's just easier to have accurate basis if you can in all situations, um, yeah. especially when you start thinking about dividend reinvestment and everything that goes in there because they have to track that and kind of what your, you know, what your blended basis is. So for and each one of those purchases, especially for, for some of those out there that may have used a betterment, for example, and then this isn't going to, to, I'm not intending to rip on one particular place here. This is just what we've seen in practice, right? Someone transfers their accounts from Betterment to a different financial institution. Betterment is known for not automatically providing the new institution with cost basis information. And that's where you can start to get into the situation of, well, $0 cost basis. It's not basis. what you want to be known for, but... It, it's not. It's not. And, and we've seen this, right? Um, Betterment will provide you know an outgoing transaction list with here's the the cost basis of, of the shares that you owned, but then it's, it's up to you then to make sure you get that basis information into the hands of, of the new firm or the planner you're working with, whether it's us, someone else, et cetera, right? Make sure that basis information does get transferred, but it will require a manual step from you. So that's a, a good thing to check when it comes to transferring accounts from a place like Betterment. There's others out there as well, but it's always a good double check. Yeah. And one of the other things to know too is, is it's a very good thing to gather all of your tax information before you start the process of, of filing your taxes because it, you want to make sure going into it that you're not going to miss any documents. It's a lot easier to, as you're going through the process, than starting it, stopping it, getting back in two weeks later and trying to find it. So I know there's a rush to get taxes done by April 15th, but if you're getting a refund you don't have any penalty for filing after April 15th or this year's April 18th. Obviously people want to get their taxes and they want to get their refunds as fast as they can, but it's better to be correct with what you're doing and make sure that you're thorough so that you don't have years where you have to go back and, and refile and correct and amend returns. And, and so gathering all that information, it used to be a lot of different, um, charitable giving and you'd have your, your mortgage interest and some other things, uh, maybe your property taxes on your house, we have found that the vast majority of people um, are actually taking the standard deduction since it was raised a number, several years ago. And I know that's scheduled to phase out here in a couple of years, but with the standard deduction being doubled to, to 24,000 for, for couples, um, you want to have all those tax forms, but also closer to 25 it, now. It I is think, now. Right? I think so. I think it's, I don't know the exact number, higher. but yeah. it's, it's, <clears throat> but it, <laughs> case in point, it's a lot more than what it used to pre tax cuts and jobs act. It, it tends to be higher for um, than what itemizing is for people. So, and that there are some planning techniques that can be used for if you're if you like to give charitable gifts of possibly you know of stacking the gifts the you know more into one year so that you can then itemize that year if there's a benefit to it. But but ultimately, getting all that paperwork together and filing it should be an easier process if if people just gather all that information and, and have it there and ready to go, whether you're handing it over to your CPA or you're getting it at TurboTax yourself. Another, another thing that I see during this time is by the time they actually file 
their tax return and seeing either a refund, right? Or you still owe a, a liability. And I've, I've talked to people where they say, oh, I've got tens of thousand dollars in refund. It's kind of like this nice little bonus or gift. And my argument's always, well, well, do you really want that? I mean, do you just want that money, you know, just to be withheld and you don't have access or control to it until you get your refund? And then on the flip side, right, is, oh, this tax liability surprised me a little bit. Now, again, I don't even know if I should say again. Have we mentioned we're not accountants? We're not accountants. We haven't no, we haven't not. mentioned that on this podcast. I know we have in the, the past, maybe for compliance and liability. But we are sake. tax filers. Yes, we I are. am a tax filer. Yes, yes that is true. And I, I haven't missed that ever. So <laughs> I've, I've, but, I've been very disappointed. But it gives, us, it gives us knowledge and the idea of how when we set our own exemptions and how our withholdings are, um, as people, as, as American citizens that work and file taxes, it is, in my estimation, not a good idea to give the government an interest-free loan through the year for them with over-withholding for me. I've had uh, several years where I've gotten very large tax returns back because I didn't do my adjustments correctly because of a bonus schedule, and a lot of people out there might have different stuff with that um, for what they withhold on a bonus versus income pay. But I completely understand when I talk to clients who just don't want to have to pay in. Mm -hmm. So what I try to tell them is, is that you're going to earn X amount of dollars on the year and you're going to have this exemption, possibly itemized deductions and credits and everything else. And then you're going to owe Y amount of money. Those it's going to get paid one way or the other. It's either paid through withholding or maybe on April 15th, you have to write a check back to the government for a couple thousand dollars. It's not like you paid more in taxes because you didn't withhold. You just got the feeling of getting that check back from the government and that um, you didn't have to owe in. Yeah. So, but I think that's a false feeling to think that, you know, by getting that check back, it's not that you didn't, you didn't owe anything. So they gave it back to you. It's that you, you already paid over what you actually owed. Yeah. Your liability is the same. Yes. Right. Right. But I, I can relate to the two sides. It's behavioral I mean, I've, finance. I've been on both it's sides. behavioral finance. Right. Where, oh, hey. I get a little extra. Oh, this just got direct deposited back into my checking account. That was kind of nice. Other than a flip side. Oh, I, oh, oh, I don't yeah. like it, you know, and, and I've been there and I, I bring this up because there can be planning opportunities, right? For, for years ahead. And again, you probably want to talk to an accountant on, on exactly how you adjust your withholdings. And sometimes that, that'll bring in people like John and myself on the planning side too, as far as, Hey, are we planning on doing Roth conversions this year? That could change your income. Are we planning on, you know, realizing some gains or losses, et cetera. So, so there are things that we do, of course, that, that go back to it, but I've seen people that realize, Oh, I, I owe in more than I expected this past year. And they realized, Oh, well, I don't have hardly anything being withheld from my pension. Let's say, you know, you turn on a, a pension in retirement and there's no withholding. Yeah. Well, that could be one of those years that you get caught by surprise and realize, oh, there was nothing being withheld there. I yeah, do. Owe. And that's an income change too. If you turn that on, suddenly if you're making more, and in some cases people turn it on, but they're still working. Mm -hmm. And so they, you know, their, their tax liability is higher on those top dollars. Um, currently, I think our highest tax rates 37%, but it's, I mean, you gotta be making over 540,000 somewhere as a single filer and 640 as a couple. So I think I don't know those numbers to be exact. I'd have to pull them up, but, but you know, it's a very high level to get to that highest tax bracket, but when a progressive tax system, like we have, 
you should take a look at your withholding as your overall income. If you're going to have a change like adding pension income or annuity income, uh, you know, to your, your, you know, uh, information that you're going to have to be filing because you might have a little bit of a surprise when you go to pay those taxes yep. or file your taxes. And another thing too, that, that comes with this deadline in April, right. Is, is IRA contributions. And this is something that comes up. It seems like every year with, with clients and for good reason, right. And some people are, are, let's say close to the Roth IRA contribution limit, meaning you have to, to make, under a certain amount to be eligible to directly contribute to a Roth IRA. Then there's a phase out range. And then there's a, a, a limit ultimately where you cannot directly contribute to a Roth IRA anymore. So for those that are kind of close to that limit, and it depends on if you're a single filer and, or jointly and, and a few different other factors, but if you're close to that limit, a lot of times it's going to be a best practice to figure out, well, where do you fall? Right? Because if, if you're within the range, you might be able to put in half, you know, if you're, you're under, 50, let's say you can put $3,000 and you're exactly in the middle into the Roth IRA. The rest you can put into a non-deductible IRA. So for that group, the deadline is still the deadline, but it's a matter of filing your taxes and figuring out, okay, what can I actually do? Right. And then there's others that maybe they, they did get a, a bonus paid out in the first couple of months of the year, something based on past year performance. And they have a little extra money, let's say, and they're looking for something to do right? From an investment standpoint. And let's say they didn't contribute for their prior year IRA contributions, another planning opportunity. So, and, and some people it's already been part of the plan for, for years and years and years at this point. And it's just yet another year. Okay. All right. I take the money, put it in the account. Maybe mm-hmm. it's part of a, a backdoor Roth strategy, whatever it might be, but that deadline is coming up in the next it, couple of it months. It is. And it, and the deadline for that is April 15th. Um, as well, unless you file extensions or April 18th for, for doing that. Um, that's for your IRAs. Important to note, and I know we've talked about this in a podcast earlier this year, but they've made changes to the ERISA-sponsored em- employee plans, the 401ks, 403bs, that's up to 20500 So there was an increase there, but you can't retroactively go back and put more in. That was for moving forward for this year. But making 2021 IRA and Roth IRA contributions, those can still be done all the way up into your tax filing because those are individual accounts. Those are the, your, your ownership accounts um, as opposed to the employee plans, which are operate under different rules. Although they are very similar in some ways, there are different rules to the contribution limits and the deadlines. Yes. And even in Wisconsin, for example, and this is different state by state. So if, if you're in a different state, keep this in mind. But in Wisconsin, even with 529 contributions, you can, you can use up to the tax filing deadline Again, check with your state, check with your accountant, you know, wherever you are locally, but you can even make contributions into a 529 plan, which is for, for college and higher education savings, of course, um, up to the tax filing deadline as well and use it for your, your prior taxes. Let's see, John, what else? We, we have some clients with, with solo 401ks, mm-hmm. right? So that's another one of those things. If you're, if you're a, a single if you're in, in business for yourself, right, you're self-employed and, and you're eligible for a solo 401k, you can put in the amount that um, ultimately your accountant will tell you once you <laughs> basically run and figure out the profits and everything. There's a certain amount that you'll be able to put in on behalf of your employer. Mm-hmm. And you can do that up until the tax filing deadline again. And um, that's something that a lot of you guys are probably going through now, trying to figure out what your business did in the last year. Yeah. And then ultimately, Hey, I can put in X amount of dollars. You can do that up to 
to the tax filing deadline. And there's some interesting rules on that too, because it's all the way up to the business tax filing deadline. But if you were to start a new plan up, you and you know you're you're making an, an intention of what you're going to pay. You have till December 31st to to basically state what your intention is for you know based on records. But you still can fund it up until the tax filing deadline. But that is one thing that's a little bit different on the business plans. Those those solo 401ks um, were sometimes called UniK plans. Um, but those are interesting. And again, always consult with your with your CPA, or your tax professional, of which Mitch and I have already stated that we are not. But it's important as we consult with and talk to our clients on this that uh, that we always want to bring them in to make sure that all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed when it comes to this stuff. So, oh, yeah. because they say the, the two things that are definitely coming every, you know, at some point are death and taxes, right? That's Those true. Those are the two things. So, so we true. know the taxes, when we have to, to utilize some of the strategies um, of using investments for retirement accounts and things like that. We still have to pay those taxes. You want to make sure that they're done right so you don't incur any penalties um, or late payments or interest. And and John, on, on the death and taxes note, I hope that all three of us, because Dan's in this room too, I hope all three of us have many more taxes that come up I, before the death part. Yeah, let, let's hope taxes are actually okay because if, if those are the only two things that are certain. I, unless I, they I go back up to 90 one percent like they were <laughs> after world war one um because war is expensive yeah. unless unless, uh, unless they go back up to that top marginal rate maybe, maybe taxes aren't so yeah. bad right yeah, yeah. so well, all right well thank you all for joining us on yet another thrilling riveting riveting super exciting we love we love taxes episode of give me some truth we will see you all again in the near future Wachter Accountant Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Wachter Accountant Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.